I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. Here to declare to you, my past is over and in you. Things are made new. Surrender my life to Christ. I'm moving, moving forward. What a moment you have brought me to. Such a freedom I have found in you.
I'm going to take a reading this morning from John chapter 21. And this song that Dwayne just been leading us in about God making things new and being given a second chance. This was a song that at the beginning of John chapter 21, the Apostle Peter couldn't sing. But by the end of it, when he'd had an encounter with Jesus and been restored, he could have been singing this song. This could have been his song for the rest of his life on earth. John chapter 21, verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two more of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Then they said to him, well, we'll go with you. They went out and immediately entered the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When the morning came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, throw the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they threw it. And now they were not able to draw it in because of the abundance of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment. For he had taken it off and jumped into the sea. The other disciples came in the little boat, dragging the net full of fish. For they were not far from land, but about 300 feet away. When they came to land... They saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net full of 153 large fish to land. Although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he asked him the third time, do you love me? 
He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you dressed yourself and walked where you desired. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said this signifying the kind of death he would glorify God with. When he had said this, he said to him, follow me. Two weeks after Easter, that's where we are today. Two weeks. How was your Easter? What did you do? You know, Tuesday after Easter, I got in my car and uh, drove to our church offices and the A40 was full. Before that, the weeks before, it was quiet. Everybody's on a holiday doing things. But now it was jam-packed and I'm looking at all the people in the cars to the left of me and to the right of me and I can see on their faces, Easter's over. Whatever they'd experienced, whatever they'd done, holidays, whatever, now they were back behind the wheel and they were moving forward. It was back to normal and back to work. How about you? Have, have you got back to work, back to normal? Is Easter, whatever you did, a distant memory in the past, even though it was only two weeks ago. I said to my wife on the Tuesday after Easter Bank Holiday Monday, as she was getting ready to go and teach at school, and uh, we were doing what we normally do, but hadn't done during her Easter break. I said, well, here we go again. What did you do over Easter? Maybe you spent some time at our KT Easter conference or came and saw us on Easter Sunday, maybe you had a break with your family, maybe you went on holiday somewhere, did some visiting, did some traveling. What did you do on Good Friday? Did you spend some time? Did you reflect anew that Jesus has died for you? Easter Sunday, wherever you are, did you have new thoughts and fresh thoughts about the fact that Jesus is raised from the dead? And are you now in danger of just getting back to things as normal? Well, Peter had had a very strange Easter Passover that year. And he had come out of it with some powerful, unresolved issues in his life. Uh, he, uh, he had denied the Lord three times, having said that he was prepared to go and die with him if necessary. He betrayed Jesus. He'd let himself down. And uh, now he had these failure in his life and they were unresolved. And he'd gone back to the old ways. He'd said, you know, I've gone fishing. A few days earlier, Jesus had died on the cross. He'd rose again. And none of the disciples were prepared for his death, even though Jesus had been preparing them for three years and prophesied to them that he would suffer at the hands of evil men and on the third day rise again. But nobody had taken any notice. In fact, Peter had rebuked the Easter message before Easter week had even come. Do you remember? One moment he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, my father, just drop that truth into your heart. The next moment, Peter's taken Jesus aside. You will not die on the cross. None of this defeatist talk. And, and Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You're thinking the way that men think. Peter had rebuked the thought of Easter. He wasn't ready for it. Nobody was ready for it. The day that Jesus rose from the dead and the women first found the tomb empty, they didn't know what had happened and the angels told them what happened and rebuked them. They said, didn't you believe what he said to you? Then they remembered. Then the women went back to tell the men and the men didn't believe them. They thought they were telling a fable or a fictitious story. But Peter thought, well, I'm going to have a look. And he ran down to the tomb the tomb was empty, of course. He went in, he looked around and came out and it says 
He wondered what had happened. You see, he had forgotten what had been prophesied and predicted. In fact, the only people that remembered that Jesus had taught and predicted that he would die and rise again were his enemies, the Pharisees. They said, hey, after he died, make sure you put two policemen outside that tomb. Do you remember how he used to say he would rise on the third day? Everybody else had forgotten. Nobody was, was, was prepared for, for this. And Peter, coming out of that time, Jesus, before this Appearance in chapter 21, we're told that he'd appeared to them twice before. But Jesus had not yet dealt with those unresolved issues that Peter had had. But let's just think about Peter's Easter. If we go to Luke chapter 22 and verse 31. Luke 22 verse 31. Then the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Listen, Satan has demanded to have you, to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have repented, strengthen your brothers. He said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. He said, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. You know me. That's Luke twenty-two thirty-one. So there's, there's Peter, and Peter, Peter, even then, Peter believes that he's right at the top of his ministry and his commitment to Christ. Jesus says, hey, I want you to know, and this is a wonderful picture. Jesus says, I want you to know, I know what's coming your way. I know you're going to fail me. I know you're going to betray me. But I want you to know that I prayed for you, and you'll come through, and your faith will be restored, and when that time happens, I want you to strengthen your brothers. And Peter just says, no, it's not going to happen. I'm ready to go to prison, even to death with you. And Jesus says, no, you'll deny me three times before the cockerel crows. You know, in the period just before Easter week, you see this in John and the Gospels, Jesus is teaching much to his disciples before he dies, is risen again and ascends into heaven. And this teaching... He is preparing them for his new ministry. They've been so used to Jesus ministering the last three years, day out, day in, week in, week out. They hadn't paid any attention to his prophesying he's going to die and, and, and rise again. They had no idea that after that he was going to send into heaven and pour out the Spirit. So he is teaching them, preparing them, and he's letting them know that when he is glorified, resurrected, ascended, and seated at the right hand of the Father, he will not forget them. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. I'm going on your behalf. I'm going so I can send you the Holy Spirit so that he can be with everyone and I can be with you through him. He'll take of me and remind it of you. He'll bring to you my ministry. I'm going to heaven to pray for you. And this was a picture here of what Jesus is doing for us right now. Just as he prayed for Peter, just as he knew everything that Peter would go through, just as he knew Peter's failings before Peter failed, he prayed through those issues and said, look, you're going to go through sometimes, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to betray me, you're going to, you're Satan sorted, but I'm telling you, I prayed it through right to the end. And out of, the, out of it, out of the ashes of your defeat, you will rise again because I have prayed for you. 
Jesus is praying for you right now. Do you know that? It's the best place for him at the moment to be. Although with all his heart, he can't wait to be with you. Can't wait to see you, to, for you to be in his presence. He loves you like a husband is excited about being with his bride and doesn't want to spend one moment away from her. But it's necessary at the moment, if but for a short time, that he is in heaven praying for us that are down on earth. He knows what your tomorrow is. He knows your successes. More importantly for you, he knows the failures of the futures. He knows where you'll betray him, where you won't live up to your own expectations. And he has prayed for you and through you. Nothing will come your way that Jesus hasn't prayed you through. No matter how far you fall, Jesus will bring you back up again. You can have confidence that although we may betray him in thought and word and deed, he will never betray us. This is a picture. And next Sunday, I'm going to be speaking on Christ's heart in heaven for his strugglers on earth. He's just the same today, yesterday, and forever. Then we actually see this take place, same chapter, Luke chapter 22, verse 54. This is Peter's Easter. I don't know what your Easter was like. This was his Easter. Then they arrested Jesus and led him away and brought him into the high priest's house. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl saw him as he sat near the fire and gazed at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied him saying, woman, I don't know him. A little later, else, a little later someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Peter said, man, I am not. About an hour later, another man firmly declared, certainly this man also was with him for he is a Galilean. Peter said, man, I do not know what you're saying. Immediately while he was yet speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord, uh, how he had told him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. At the beginning of that episode, he was full of confidence. Lord, if you go to prison, I'll go to prison. If you die... I'll die. By the end of that ep episode, he was crying his eyes out, totally undone, had betrayed Jesus, who had done nothing but love and been with him for three years. He was totally undone. He felt he'd let Jesus down. He felt he'd let himself down. He, he felt that it was over for him. Well, Jesus appeared to the disciples twice before the fishing incident, and in one of those, we see in John chapter 20 and verse 19, and here again, he does not address Peter or Peter's issues that he was carrying from Easter, his unresolved issues, and it says in uh, John chapter 20 verse 19, on the evening of that first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. Peace be with you, he said. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were then glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As my father has sent me, even so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of anyone, they are retained. So here, an, another experience. Jesus, uh, Peter experiencing Jesus. And not only did he experience Jesus, but he experienced, he had an experience, a powerful experience of the Holy Spirit. This was a sample of the fullness of the Holy Spirit that Jesus would pour out and baptize his disciples with on the day of Pentecosts in the book of Acts. So here's Peter. He's met with the resurrected Christ twice. He's even had an experience with the Holy Spirit, and yet there are still debilitating issues that are unresolved in his heart, holding him back, keeping him back, so much so that as we return to the passage we began with in John chapter 21, we find he gets to the place where he says, you know what, I'm going back to fish. And the disciples said, you know what, we'll come with you. Back to his fishing. I mean, he'd been through three years of powerful ministry and teaching with Jesus. He'd walked on the water. He'd prayed for the sick and they had recovered. He'd alleviated people that were torment, tormented by demons. He'd witnessed the feeding of the 5,000s, the transfiguration on the Mount of Transfiguration. He'd seen the glory. He'd, he'd, he'd gone through Easter and witnessed the resurrected Christ and he'd had a charismatic experience with the Holy Spirit. But even those things were not enough to prevent the issues that were unresolved in his heart to make him and to turn him to go and rewind three years and to start living as if he had never experienced Jesus in his life at all. Right back to where he started. Jesus found him fishing. He'd find him fishing again because Peter had gone back. Now, this is why I say, how was your Easter? And I'm not just talking about the one that was two weeks ago and, and how easy we can move through an Easter experience. And then two weeks later, we're right back in the mix of life, right where we were before Easter, and we wonder, well, what actually happened over Easter? I don't know, I'm too busy. I've gone back to, the, to where I was. Kids are back at school, I'm back at work, holiday's over, whatever, whatever. It's just back to the old ways. Peter had gone back to the old ways. But Jesus was gonna turn up and give him an encounter that would deal with these unresolved issues. Jesus wants to deal with our unresolved issues so that we can be freed and secure in him to know that we can follow him and move forward in Christ's purposes for us and not go back to the way that we used to be. You know, sometimes what can happen in our lives is that we can begin like Peter in our Christian life. In our early days, we can be filled with passion for the Lord and passion for following him and passion for the gospel and the ministry. And uh, we get involved in many things. We're on fire for God. Everything's new to us. Everything's fresh for us. Young people feel called into the ministry. Uh, we believe that God can use us. Prophecies come into our lives about what God wants to do through us. We're excited. Sometimes we're overexcited about what God's going to do. And we're overexpectant about how God's going to use us because we sense in our hearts that God has called us to such an hour like this. 
Sometimes the early overexcitement of following the Lord uh, and, and the faith can actually turn into presumption. We presume too much too quickly. God has spoken to us. We're excited about following the Lord, the gifts that are latent in us being brought out, how God can use us. We're excited and we think everything's going to happen in the next few days, in the next few weeks. We've had an experience of his Holy Spirit like, like Peter had. And we're thinking, wow, I've had an encounter. I'm ready. I'm with Jesus. All things are possible. God's going to send revival. Why not through me? We're a bit like Peter. Jesus says, follow me. And we say, Lord, even if it means death, I will follow you. There's a newness and an excitement and a faith bordering on presumption because we're so excited. But the days go by, the weeks go by, the months go by, and often the Peter experience becomes our experience. We, let, we believe we let God down, but more importantly, we believe that we've let ourselves down. We remember the mission we went on. Remember going on that, on that training course. Remember those things where we were up for it. And now we've had a series of situations where we feel we haven't made it with the mark where we should be. We've let God down. We've let ourselves down. The fire that burnt so brightly seems now to be at an ember. We've had some knocks and bruises on the way in following Jesus. And we say to ourselves, well, you know, Maybe that was just the beginning. Maybe I should go back to fishing or go back to a quieter existence. And what flamed so brightly for a short time at the beginning has now ebbed. And like Peter, we've gone back to the old ways, not necessarily bad ways, but just the old ways. And Peter here had gone back to the old ways. He said, I'm off fishing. He went back to the old ways almost as if nothing had happened because of his unresolved issues of letting himself and letting the Lord down. But the old ways bring also the old issues too. And the old ways often bring the old problems with them. So there they are. They've gone back to their fishing career, but they're catching nothing. They're throwing out that thing all night and they're going nowhere. You see, if like Peter, we go back, before the experiences that God has given us, if we feel disappointed in ourselves, in God, or in how we've moved forward, and we go back just to the old ways, the, the, the two weeks after Easter type scenario of Peter, we'll only end up facing the old issues that God called us from in the first place. There he is fishing and there's no fish again. But the wonderful thing is, is that the message of Easter is that Jesus will not allow us to go back to our fishing nets. That he's sending a message and he's sending his spirit to you today to call you forward and to deal with any unresolved issues that, like Peter, are holding you back from Christ's destiny and Christ's path for you to follow in. There they are fishing and a voice comes from the shore. They didn't know who it was. Children, do you have any fish? They answered, no. This voice says again, throw the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And an echo takes place in Peter's heart and his soul. He doesn't know who it is, but as a faint echo, he remembers somebody once told him to do that before. And his mind flicks back into the ministry of Jesus when they were fishing. 
And Jesus said then, throw your nets on the other side after a night of no catching fish. And they did. And they caught so many fish that the nets broke. And when Peter saw it was the Lord, all he could say is this, I can't cope with this, Lord. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And this echoed in Peter's heart, but it was just a faint echo. He didn't expect this to take place again. But then when they throw the net over and they catch the fish and the net doesn't break this time, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, says, it's the Lord. And when Peter heard that, his heart jumped so high that he jumped out of the boat. He was the Peter of old that leapt out of the boat when Jesus was in the storm. He said, if that's you, he couldn't, if that's you, let me come to you. Something leapt in him. You see, he had forgotten or didn't realize that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just because he'd been raised from the dead with a resurrection body glorified and was going to ascend into heaven didn't mean he'd forgotten his friends. Didn't mean that he changed. Somehow now he is so exalted, so victorious over sin and death that now he had changed in his relationship to them. Have you ever met somebody, maybe you knew them at school or, or something, and, and they suddenly are become very successful, very rich, very famous, and they change? You go, I knew you when you were at school. Well, I'm not that person anymore. No, obviously not. Fame changes them. Riches changes them. They're changed. Now, they may have thought that Jesus' heart towards them would have changed. I mean, for goodness sake, what, he, Easter, he's just died for the sins of the world, cried it is finished, gone down into hell, preached the news to those saints that had gone before him, met with Moses and Abraham and all those lot, emptied hell of the, uh, uh, of the saints in Abraham's bosom, come up triumphant with victory in his hand, conquered death so that we know death will not conquer us, and was just about to ascend to the Father. I mean, it doesn't get any more victorious than that. Just when you thought he was down and out, now he's totally 100% victorious, Christ the victor. And so surely... He's going to change. Success surely would change him, but on the contrary, success has not changed him at all. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same Jesus that was with them those three years. He's the same Jesus that washed their feet, even knowing that he was going to be glorified. And so when Peter is doing the front crawl with all his might, just because it's Jesus, he'd forgotten his issues for a while. He just couldn't believe Jesus is here. What was Jesus doing? Well, he wasn't drifting on a cloud of angels. He prepared breakfast. He was going to deal with Peter's unresolved issues, but first he dealt with his needs. How wonderful. The one that had conquered hell a few days before, raised in his glorious body, was no different than the one who loved them enough to say, you need to eat, you've had a hard day's fishing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Even though he's seated at the right hand of God praying for you, I'm going to talk about this next Sunday. He's the same as you read in the scriptures. He loves you. He cares for you. He's praying for you. He's, he wants to look after your, your needs, not just your spiritual needs, but he wants to look after your physical needs. 
If you go through a trial or a difficulty, he's with you and he's prayed you through it. He won't let anything happen to you that ultimately won't bring him the glory. And all the only thing, you know, when Jesus was raised from the dead and he appeared many times, do you know, he never confronted them about the sins of Easter. He never said, he didn't say this in the Bible. And Jesus first appeared to his 11. And Jesus said unto them, where were you when I needed you? Where were you in the garden of Gethsemane sleeping? Where were you when you were... Peter, I looked you in the eye. You denied me three times. What? We... Where were you? What? He didn't talk about any of their pre-Easter sins. Why? Because he carried them and dealt with them on the cross. The only thing he confronted, amen. He won't bring them up again. You bring them up. Peter would bring them up. He's not bringing them up. The only thing the resurrected Christ confronted the people that he met after Easter on was their unbelief. It's like, I don't want to talk about your sin. That's why I died. What I want is some faith. I want some trust. I want us to go forward. He did the same with, Jesus, with Peter. He looked after them. And he said here, eat. He looked after them. How wonderful. And then we come to verse 15, where three times Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter says, you know I love you. But the thing is, in our English translation, it just uses one word for love. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, you know I love you. But actually, in the Greek, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. In the Greek, two words are being used. And the first two times that Jesus addresses Peter, he says, Simon Peter, do you agape me? That's the word for love. Agape. Ever heard the word agape? That's the Greek word for love. Jesus says, first two times, he says, Peter, do you agape me? Now, agape is a Greek word, it's the God kind of love. For God so loved, or agaped, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that ever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's a God kind of love. The love that a friend, a friend will lay down his life for his friend, it's the God kind of love, it's the sacrificial love. My favorite verse in the New Testament is 1 John chapter, chapter 4, verse 10. For this is love or agape, for this is the God kind of love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation or a sacrifice for our sins. It's the God kind of love, agape. First two times, Jesus says, do you agape me? Do you love me with the love I love you, which was demonstrated on the cross? Now, Peter, the first two times, doesn't respond by saying, you know, I agape you. He doesn't say, you know, I love you with the God kind of love because he's failed. Peter responds with another word for love, philo is the Greek word, philo. And this word simply means um, a friendly affection, a friendly affection. We could use the term like. So in the first two times that Jesus asks him, it goes a bit like this. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me? with a God kind of love. And Peter responds, you know that I like you. He says, feed my lamb. Secondly, he says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me? Do you love me with the God kind of love? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I like you. He said, tend my sheep. Third time. Now, the third time, this is where Peter gets really sorrowful and offended because the third time Jesus doesn't say, as he did the other two, 
do you agape me? Now he questions whether Peter even likes him. The third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you follow me? In other words, the third time he says, Simon, Pete, Simon, son of John, do you like me? Peter was grieved because he asked him the third time, do you like me? And he said, you know that I like you. You know everything. So you see, Peter could not respond affirmatively to the question, do you love me with a God kind of love? He had said he had that time before he betrayed him. He said, if you die, I'll die with you. If you're imprisoned, I'll be imprisoned with you because I have the God kind of love. That was what it was like. He'd been filled with such confidence in himself and in God's plan for him. He was so full of faith that he was presumption in his faith. But here he couldn't answer it. He could, he could only say, well, I, can't, I don't love you with a God kind of love. I've demonstrated that, but I do like you. I do have affections for you. And then the third time when Jesus questioned his friendly affections, he was sorry. He was got, he's thinking to himself, well, maybe I don't even like you. I thought I did. You see, what is Jesus doing? Jesus is restoring Peter and dealing with his unresolved Easter issues. He's not doing by raking up the sin, but he's doing it by just asking him where he stands before the resurrected Christ. And, he, and Peter's problem was he thought he could only be used if he was at the agape level of love. He'd set the standards so high for himself that he went back fishing because he couldn't meet those standards. Is there anybody here today and, 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 and you stop following the Lord or, or you're not working for the Lord or you're not a disciple of the Lord like you used to be because you've set your standards so high that forget about letting God down. You've let yourself down and your standards of what you think you should have been like, what you said you'd be like, what you hoped you'd be like, but the knocks and bruises and letdowns, you betrayed yourself, you may have betrayed Christ, you may have let yourself down, you thought, my God, what a sinful person I am, I can't make it, I can't get this agape love, and so unconsciously or consciously, you've gone back and picked up the old fishing nets. But Jesus never wanted that from you. He never wanted that from Peter. Every time he said, do you love me with a God kind of love? And Peter said, no, I just like you. He commissioned him to tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Three commissions with every question. Jesus was just looking for some fresh faith and knowing that he'll take you where you are and he'll use you wherever you are. You don't have to meet this level that you think that you have to be at before you can follow the Lord. Jesus is used to having broken followers. That's why he's in heaven praying for us. He's used to being let down. We let him down every day. He's used to being betrayed. He's used to people falling along the wayside. He's used to people going back to his fishing nets. He's used to people disqualifying themselves in their own eyes to follow him. And his message to, Jesus, to Peter is the same message to you today. Follow me says, follow me, follow me, love, bring what you have. You see, love is something that we grow in as we follow the Lord through many mistakes and many failures. We see that he says, feed my sheep. And then he says about the manner of Peter's death, that one day he will stretch out his hands, another will dress and carry him to where he doesn't want to go. He said this signifying the kind of death that would glorify God. You see, although Peter at that moment couldn't say, I agape you. Jesus said, one day you will agape me. He says, one day, it's not now, you barely like me. 
according to you, Peter. But I'll take that. Go and feed and help and love others. I'll take you where you right are. In your mess, I'll take you. But let me tell you something, Peter. Let me prophesy. I prophesy that one day you will love me with the God kind of love so much that you will glorify me in your martyrdom. And they did. Church history says that Peter was crucified. But that when he came to be crucified, he said, no, I will refuse to be put on a cross like my savior, crucify me upside down. That's church history account. So by that, by that time, the Peter that could barely bring him to self, say, I don't even know if I like you, Lord, was at a place where he was demonstrating the maturity of God. Following Jesus is a journey. It doesn't matter where you are right now. The question is, where will your heart be when you leave this service today? Jesus, having said this, the manner of his death said, follow me. And Peter would make many, many other mistakes in the future. But he was encouraged because he'd learnt how to deal with these Easter issues. He would make many mistakes. He would have a vision that God on a roof saying, don't call unclean animals unclean, rise up and eat. And then Paul would have to deal with him because he stopped eating with Gentiles. He'd make many, many mistakes. But you know what? He was released from this this internal issue of pretending to be something he wasn't, of, of making a big prophecy, I'll die with you, I'll, and, and raising the level so high that he couldn't possibly meet them, and so that he was constantly failing his own goals that he felt that Christ, but Christ wasn't asking him to die for him. Christ wasn't asking him to go on the cross with him. Christ wasn't asking him to go to prison. Christ wasn't asking him to do anything but take the next step with him. Christ was saying, forget about your problems. Forget about your Easter sins. Forget about your past mistakes and failings. I dealt with them on the cross. The past has been dealt with. Stop dwelling in the Easter sins, Peter. Stop going back and going over and all the reasons why not and all the reasons why you can't and going back to the older. Stop living in the past. I died so that you could have a fresh day every day. What I'm asking for is a little bit of belief. What I'm asking for is a little closer walk with me to, to begin to turn your like into increasing levels of love. I'm taking you exactly as you are today, taking you exactly as you feel today, and I'm wiping out the past, and I'm saying there'll be more for me to wipe out tomorrow. There'll be more for me to wipe out next week, next month, next year. If you're thinking, Jesus is saying, that you're going to walk on a clean slate, on some high level of agape love for the rest of your life, you're deceiving yourself, and you'll end back up going back to those fishing nets. Go forward and leave the, if you want to, leave the intercession before the Father to me. I've seen, like I saw Peter, where you're going to make the mistakes before you've made them. I've seen your failings. I've seen your mistakes in 2017, 18, 19, 20, however long you've got on this earth. Jesus has seen it and he has already prayed it through. That means you're free to make mistakes in following him. Give yourself a little bit of leeway. All he's looking for people to go with him. Another step. 
to take up the excitement that was there in the early years, the times when you had that experience with the Spirit, where he spoke things into your heart. Now what's happening is those early excitements that sometimes were over-excitements, that earlier faith where God was going to bring revival in a moment through you that has now been slightly disappointed, all that's happening is you're growing up. You're maturing. You're getting better able to handle the type of glory that God wants to give you and work through you. Peter is our example this morning. Let's pray. What's God saying to you? What's God saying to you? Two weeks after Easter, whatever your Easter was like, is it almost as if it's never happened with the busyness of life? It's a danger, isn't it? Well, Peter's Easter was a terrible Easter. And he had gone back, despite seeing the resurrected Christ and experiencing the Spirit. He'd just gone back to the old ways and given up on the new ways. And those three years and the experiences that he'd had with God, genuine experiences he'd had with Jesus in the past, even recently, seemed to count for nothing. God has not finished with you. He's praying for you, Jesus is right now. Your name, literally, I mean literally, not figuratively, not symbolically, but literally, your name is on his lips right now. He's praying for you like he prayed for Peter and he wants to use you despite your failings of the future, despite those things. And he's going to grow us to a place where we will grow in mature love if we follow him. You just have to take another step and another step and another step and another step. You just have to do what's right and what's before you. He's not asking you to die on the cross with him. He's not asking you to go to prison with him, not yet anyway. And if he did ask you to go to prison with him, he'd give you the Holy Spirit so you could do it. He's not asking you to do anything that's not before you. Sometimes we make following Jesus so complex that we give up before we take our next step. Just do that thing which God has put before you and he'll take you forward. You're going to make mistakes. That's why he's in heaven praying and that's why the Holy Spirit is with you. Free yourself from your own conditions that lay heavily upon you. Free yourself. Free yourself. Walk out of this place anew. Walk out of this place. Maybe you're here today watching on the internet. You're nowhere near God, or you think you're not, but you find yourself watching this program on, t on internet. You find yourself in this building. You were nowhere near God, and now you're right next to him, right next to him. You take your next step. Don't leave this building. Go back to the old life. You take your next step. You take your next step. You come again to this place. You come again and again and again, and you take your next step. This is the message two weeks after Easter 2017.